Well, it is a privilege and honor to be here with y'all. How y'all doing? You're good? All right, good. Um, as, uh, as it was spoken earlier, I'm a uh, dean at DTS. I've been at DTS for about 23 years. And uh, uh, one of my favorite professors was Dr. Toussaint. So to be here and standing behind the lectern where he stood or sat, as I recall, um, is an honor. So I am so thrilled to be here. Um, I'm also thrilled to hear how you guys have developed community amongst yourselves. I also want to let you know, hear this. This is really important. Um, serving is an act of worship. Let me say that again. Service is an act of worship. So as you're investing in each other's lives, as you're bearing one, one another's burdens, that's part of worship, y'all. Romans 12, 1, that this is your spiritual act. Some translations has worship. Other translations have service. The Greek word there is letrao, is a common word used for service. So as you're serving one another, you're expressing worship to the Lord, bearing one another's burdens. That's important. We know God's church exists. This is a living organism because you all take the time to invest so continue to do that. All right, that has nothing to do with anything I'm going to talk about today. Um, I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's kind of this, this concept in theology that, that gets overlooked or maybe even assumed because we say flippantly oftentimes that, uh, uh, that, uh, that God is uh, advancing the kingdom today on earth. And uh, that, that could be true, um, uh, but the Scriptures has something more specific in mind, and we'll get to that. Uh, sometimes the kingdom of God, when you go through the Gospels, uh, repent, for the what is at hand? The kingdom of God. Or, if you're in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven um, is at hand. And well, what, what in the world does that mean? Um, so we, we tend to sometimes flippantly talk about the kingdom of God as if we know what the kingdom of God is. It's God ruling over all. Amen. Amen. How do we deal with sin? How do we deal with brain surgery? How do we deal with our legs giving out? How do we deal with what's going on in Israel? There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of <gasps> death in the midst of all that. But we're going to talk specifically today about eternity past. All right, so raise your all's hands, y'all. I'm from Grand Junction, Colorado. I've been indoctrinated, y'all. Okay, raise your hands. I'm very participatory. I've got a mic that I can walk around down here. Who has heard of eternity past? One, two, three, four. This is the marathon class. Of course you have. Eternity past. All right, give me some things that had happened in eternity past, y'all. What has happened in eternity past? Okay. <laughs> you know I go to DTS. Okay. Uh, 
covenant of redemption, we'll just say redemption. Uh, what else? We'll get to that. What's that? Angels created? Good. All right, well, the, today's lesson's already going to be done. All right, what else? Keep going. God's plan for us. Redemption? Good. Anything else? Fall of angels? Goodness gracious. Did you all look at my notes before I came and spoke today, or did you just know? All right, good. We're going to cover that. Um, but why then is eternity eternity? Where do we even get the concept of eternity as it relates to past? God has no beginning. Okay, good. All right. Well, it seems like today's already done. Um, we're also going to talk about eternity future. Who has he heard about eternity future? <gasps> okay, a little less maybe, perhaps. All right, so eternity future. So give me some things that has happened in eternity future. What? Ah, my grammarians, thank you. What will happen in eternity future? New heavens, new earth. Okay, so, okay, rapture. Okay, that's going to be part of it. What's that? Millennium. Millennium. Okay. Judgment. Judgment. All right, all right. Well, we're going to talk about that next week. Total peace. I love that. You want to know why I love that? Because Genesis, what happened on day seven, y'all? What happened? Rested. Okay, good. What did he rest from? His work, okay? We're supposed to observe, not we, uh, Israel was to observe the Sabbath. Okay? Stop working. Was that the spirit of it? No? Who said no over here? Harry? Okay. What's the spirit of not working? Okay. What part of God? Holiness, okay. It's right there before you. All that he created, okay. So he took what was formless and void. Are you ready for the Hebrew on this one? Tovu babohu. Formless, yeah, exactly, Harry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you all say that with me? Tovu babohu. All right, thank you. Formless and void. He took something that was not useful and made it useful. And he created all the animals and all the birds and all the fish and land and us to rule. That's right here. Um, Lord willing, we're going to talk about past, future, and at some point potentially all of this, all 66 books is building on the plan that has established in eternity past. All right, so eternity future and eternity past. All right, so we got some good handles there. Um, so where would we go to in the scriptures to talk about um, eternity past, God's eternity? So he's eternal, he's, or he, uh, the internality of God. Where would we go to? in the scriptures. Genesis, where? In the beginning, okay. In the beginning. I'm going to go to some passages that actually claim that God is eternal. So turn with me to, this is just fantastic. All right, so I've got some scripture references on your handout. All right, you with me? Um, 
see these glasses right here, I refuse to get bivocals. <laughs> so I gotta take them off. So I'm looking out here, I see blur, but I'm looking here, I see words. All right, turn to Genesis 21. Genesis 21. Uh, the spirit of navigators in the, the blessing that navigators has given us in Bible memorization is memorize a verse. But the other part to navigators is memorize or at least be familiar with the context here. So let's turn to Genesis 21 and let's go down to about the very end, verse 33. So in Genesis 21, um, in verse 33, Abraham's planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba. And there he called on the name of the Lord, the what? The everlasting God. All right, great. Uh, there are some things here that I want you to be aware of as it relates to context, as it relates to why in the world, or as Dr. Toussaint would say, why in the brown-eyed world would Abraham say here, that God is everlasting. One of my absolute passions in life that I'm trying to work on myself is to understand the nature of God as it relates to how him and I walk together. I don't simply trust in the word of God. All right? Okay, now you're going to throw your Bibles at me. I trust in the God who has given his word, the person. All right? So for Abraham to use everlasting here is really important. Well, why is it important? All right, let's go back up to the beginning of chapter 21. The beginning of chapter 21, uh, then the Lord took note of Sarah, and he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age and appointed a time of which God had spoken to him. Notice the word there. Look at verse 1. Look, look, look at me. Highlight this. Circle this. I've got my phone, y'all, because I'm on Logos. All I have to do is press promise, and then the Hebrew comes up. So don't be offended. I love my Bibles. But look at the word promise there. Highlight that. What does that promise relate to back in the context of Genesis? What does it relate to? What's that? Okay, a son. What else? Heirs. Okay, son, heirs. Yes, good. Nation. Okay, what do you mean by nation, Harry? Okay, and the land. Okay. All right. Did you hear what Harry said? Throw in the land. All right. So when you see promise as it relates to Abraham, all right, you ready for this? Think of three parts. All right. One, land. Two, seed. Three, seed. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Blessing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So God is now moving to fulfill his promise to Abraham. Notice also the spelling of Sarah. It was Sarai before, and now it's Sarah. Also notice the spelling change 
of Abraham. Back in chapter 12, it was Abram. Now it's Abraham, the father of nations. That's important because now we are progressing in time and we're seeing in Abraham's life that God is bringing forward his promise of a land, seed, and blessing. And so Abraham, at the very end of this, um, it's a very interesting chapter because in the middle here, in, chap- in chapter 21, verse 15, um, he, he sends Hagar away. And then there's a promise to Hagar's son, Ishmael. Read the story sometime. It is very interesting how the Old Testament puts two pictures together. If you're sending out your handmaid and your son, and it's a woman and her baby son, where are you sending her to, potentially? To her death. Are you telling me Father Abraham did that? Twice. Twice. Um, but God says, and he promises Abraham here in the story, that he's going to take care of Hagar and his son. But you read through this story here in 21, y'all. You know what you're going to find? They're at their very wit's end. They're almost going to die. And the Lord doesn't hear Hagar's cry. He hears the baby. And then you go past that story, and then Abraham has all the water he needs. But Abimelech there and his captain has taken over the well. And so they make a covenant. Isn't it interesting how those stories are back-to-back here? The promise is being fulfilled with Isaac. Sarah gives birth. There's conflict in the family. Abraham sends Hagar out. She can't find water. But here, Abraham can find plenty of water. we got a well. We just have to deal with it. And we deal with it. This is at the tail end of Abraham's life. So go back down to verse 33. And there he called, let's see, he planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba. And there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. So let's look at these two names. Actually, there are three names here. Well, two names plus probably an adjective. All right. Capital L-O-R-D in the Hebrew Bible refers back to Yahweh. So it's a big, big deal in your translations when you see capital L-O-R-D. Sirgut, yes? All right. Um, Since you guys are amazing at answering questions, what is Yahweh looking at? When we're saying Yahweh's name in Old Testament, what does it... why use that name? What's it commonly referring to, or what, what aspect of God is it referring to? Or part of the person? Anybody? Eternal God, okay. 
Okay. Redemptive. Okay. Good. Good. This is so interesting. Um, read Genesis 1. Not now. Uh, and then read Genesis 2. Genesis 1, you'll have God. G-O-D. Genesis 2, L, capital L-O-R-D. That's really important because oftentimes in Hebrew Bible, all right, you following me? Um, I don't have a parrot joke. I actually asked Google for a parrot joke because I knew Dr. Toussaint would tell parrot jokes. All right, thank you, thank you. Um, but uh, uh, G-O-D usually has L, capital E-L in the Hebrew, or Elohim in the Hebrew. All right? For capital L-O-R-D, it's Yahweh. And so in Genesis 1, this gives you a, a great illustration, okay? In Genesis 1, God is usually referring to the aspect of God that deals with humanity in general. Read the Bible, the Old Testament, that way. Oftentimes when G-O-D, it's often associated with Gentiles. It's often associated with, um, with believing uh, uh, Israelites who may be going astray, like some of the Israelite, or actually the Judaite kings. Um, when they don't have a close relationship, it's sometimes it's God, not Lord. But in Genesis chapter 2, oftentimes you have capital L-O-R-D because it's looking at Yahweh, the personal God. Isn't that great? And so for Abraham, it's not just God. It's personal. So what are, if this is the end part of Abraham's life, what are some personal interactions he's had with God up to this point? Certainly a promise. Certainly I'm seeing some of that promise, right? I had Isaac's born. But what else? What else? Yep, good. Keep going. Keep going. Think about how God has interacted with Abraham throughout Abraham's life. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, goodness. Can you imagine going to sleep? He's over here hanging out under a tree, by the way, and God's walking down the carcasses making this unconditional covenant. Good. Keep going. Negotiator right here. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, self-existent. Right. This is the sum total of Abraham's experience. Just like many of us in this class, we've walked with God, we've seen God work in our lives, and we see his kindness, his provisions, his blessings, um, certainly with Abraham, uh, with Melchizedek, uh, worshiping, worshiping Melchizedek's God, the God Most High, um, at, and uh, Abraham receives plunder um, from Sodom and Gomorrah, like he's interceding on behalf of Lot. God's answering him. And so for Abraham here, it's Lord, the everlasting God. And the word everlasting there is looking back at God's eternality. And for Abraham, looking at God's eternality is super important. Because this God who has provided for me is the same God 
who has provided for those who came before me. Notice what he does here. He calls on the name of the Lord. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. Genesis 4, verse 26. Genesis 4, 26 says, Seth had also had a son and named him Enosh. Not Enoch, Enosh. And that time, people began to what? Why is that important? You see, in Genesis chapter 4, you have Cain and Abel. You have Cain, who does what? Murders Abel. And then you have Cain's line going forward. And so there's a short story leading up to, to verse 26. And that short story is showing what happens to Cain's sons. Can anybody tell me what happened to Cain's sons very early on in chapter 4? Oh, they murder people. Uh, Lamech murders uh, somebody, and he boasts about it. He also marries multiple wives. And Genesis chapter 2 says, you don't do that, that we're two or more together, and they come together, and they're one. So he's a murderer. He's taken on multiple wives, and he builds cities. And none of his sons in chapter 4 and beyond call upon the name of the Lord. So who's Seth here in chapter 4? Who's Seth? Younger brother, that's right. And Seth and his son does the opposite of Cain and his sons. They call upon the name of the Lord. All right, so let's put these two pieces together. If son, who calls upon the name of the Lord, and centuries later you have Abraham, who calls upon the name of the Lord, do you see a connection here? Do you see a connection? Yes. <laughs> What's the connection? They're following God. And Moses, by the inspiration of the Spirit, wanted you to know that even at the tail end of Abraham's life, he's still calling upon the name of the Lord that links back to Enosh, which also links back to God being everlasting. And so in eternity past, uh, we can define it as such because as for right now, God the Father is eternal. There's another fantastic passage that I want you to turn to. Um, if this thing would advance, it's not advancing. We're going to go to, there we go. All right, let's go to Habakkuk 1.12. Habakkuk 1.12. Habakkuk 1.12. Um, Habakkuk, uh, y'all, uh, as we're looking through these verses, always keep the Bible background in mind and the date. Really, really important. Can anybody give me a quick summary of where we're at when Habakkuk the prophet comes and makes his complaint to the Lord. 
Oh, woo. Okay, you got your study Bible open? <laughs> Good. All right, what's going on in 606 B.C.? Okay, they're going into captivity. And it's important that northern Israel, all the kings in northern Israel, they're bad. In 722, Assyria takes them captive. In about 605, 606, the Babylonian incursion is imminent. So Habakkuk sees this, and he says, Are you from everlasting, O Lord? Notice the Lord there. My God, my Holy One, we will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them, Babylon, to judge. And you, O Rock, have established them to correct. So even in Habakkuk's time, this is now a millennia later from Abraham. You catch that? Their theology is still stable. Oh God, you're from everlasting. And so for Habakkuk to even think about God as being the everlasting God in this context is really significant. Um, your brothers and your sisters, your mom, your grand grandmother, your grandfather, uh, Babylon's going to come and they're going to kill them. If I trust in God the everlasting, what am I trusting in based on our conversation in Genesis chapter 4, 12, and 21? Covenant-keeping God. Covenant God. That's right. And in chapter 3 of Habakkuk, Habakkuk is going to plead with the Lord. He's going to say, Lord, um, you need to take care of the Babylonians. And you're going to, and I can trust in that because you're a covenant-keeping God. You're a God of everlasting. You're the same God, because you're everlasting, that you interacted with Abraham. You're the same God as you interacted with Enosh and Seth. All right. Turn also, please, and we'll move on to our Lord. Uh, turn to Psalm 90. As you turn to Psalm 90, uh, can anybody tell me who wrote this psalm? Moses. Moses? Okay, good. Did Moses live before or after Abraham? After. Okay, good. Woo. All right. So Moses is writing this psalm. Verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Okay, Moses is saying this. In this psalm, Moses doesn't go to the promised land. Where does Moses get this idea that God is everlasting. I am. Yeah. Revelation. Good. Does, does Moses, in using the everlasting idea, does that link him back to another biblical character? Yes? Yes? Who? 
Abraham. That's right. That's right. So evidently, in the, uh, in the progress of time, and certainly he, uh, the Lord revealed, I am that I am, he also said, what else? I am the God of your fathers. That's right. That's right. So Mo- Moses is even looking in the collection of Israelite memory, their theology is not only being established, it is being continued. Now, let's look to one more spot. Um, let's look at uh, Psalm 102, 24. Psalm 102, 24. And you look at this superscription, get your date in mind. Superscription says, a prayer of the afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Verse 24, I say, oh my God, do not take me away in midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Um, this is another form, another way to say God is eternal. And notice the superscription doesn't have Moses, it doesn't have Abraham, it doesn't even have David. So even beyond those two great characters of the faith, what's in the collective memory of Israel is that God is eternal. It's part of the songs that they sang at the temple. This is important because their theology doesn't change. And we heard earlier, y'all, we heard earlier that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you are to pass down the word from generation to generation. So let's just say that Psalm 102 was written when the remnant of uh, Judah and some of the other tribes came back from Babylon. Let's just say that Psalm 102, let's just say that Psalm 102 was written about 536 B.C. What, do you think that they did a good job passing down the very fact that God was eternal? Yes, yes. So dating is important. It goes back from Enosh, how he worships the Lord, but then with Abraham, he's expressing an aspect of God's character and that he's eternal. So not only does eternal past mean, hey, it's eternal because God's eternal, there's something really significant going on in the biblical text, that every generation is understanding God to be eternal. So when you're passing, passing down um, uh, God's word to your grandchildren or your great-great-grandchildren, that's important. And you know what's so amazing? This eternal God that you have interacted and experienced with is going to be the same eternal God that your grandkids will interact with and children, Lord willing. 
And you know what's even more amazing? The same God that we're interacting with today is the same God that interacted with Abraham. Promise-keeping God. It's just amazing. All right. I think I advanced too far here. I got overzealous. Um, so we have the son, Micah 5.2. We don't need to turn to it. Micah 5.2 is important because let's just turn to Micah 5.2. It is important. Uh, Micah 5.2. Okay, now you're going to stone me with your Bibles. All right. Micah 5.2. And uh, I love to hear y'all talk. So when somebody gets to Micah 5.2, will you read it for us in your very pastoral way? Your, your Dr. Swindoll way. So it's got to be booming baritone. Micah 5.2. It's to the right of Genesis. All right. For the sake of time, y'all, does anybody have it? Harry does. Woohoo! As for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. Uh, from you, one will go forth from me to be ruler of Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Okay, great. Micah, remember, don't just have a date and go, oh, yeah, Micah wrote right before the fall of Judah or even um, Israel. The date's important here. Micah is preaching against the kings of Israel. Remember, the kings of Israel, bad. Kings of Judah, good, bad. Kings of Israel, bad. Kings of Judah, good, bad. All right, so he's preaching against the kings of, Ju of Israel, and sometimes the kings of Judah. But for the kings of Israel, they're all bad. Where's the hope? Where's the covenant promise? We've got idol worship going on from Dan all the way down to Bethel. Calf worship. When you have Dan to Bethel, y'all, that means the whole northern territory of Israel was steeped in idolatry. Uh, that's why you have a golden calf in Dan way north. And you have one way south in Bethel. Um, so bad, bad things are happening. But Micah's bringing some encouragement. Uh, but, but as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth from me to be a ruler. This looks to the Davidic covenant, that there'll be one ruler. And this ruler is what? His goings are from old. And he's everlast, from everlasting to everlasting. And so we know this to be none other than our Lord Jesus. And it's speaking of his eternality. His eternality. And then John 1, 1, you know it well, that in the beginning was the? And the Word was? With God. And the Word was? Was God. That's right. Thus, he's eternal. Because God is eternal. And thus, they lived in eternity past. All right, some references that we have about the Spirit. Um, it's, it's a little more ambiguous, uh, but let's turn real quickly to Hebrews 9.14. Keep going right into the New Testament. You're going to go past Acts, Romans, hi Paul, and then we're going to land right into 
uh, the Pauline epistles, go past Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and then you land to the book of Hebrews. Y'all know it well because Dr. Two Saints spoke on Hebrews. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, and go down to verse 14. All right. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, to cleanse your consciousness from dead works, to serve the living God. And so this is a classic verse that the Spirit of God is eternal. In other texts, the Spirit is equivalent to Father and Son. And so we don't have time to get into that. We have time to advance to um, the plan of eternity past. The plan of eternity past. And so we've got some really heavy words here. And uh, let's turn over to... I have until 12 o'clock, correct, Harry? Harry warned me, when 12 o'clock hits, I turn to a pumpkin, and y'all, okay. All right, all right. Uh, Ephesians. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, goodness gracious. If you ever have time to read through the book of Ephesians, especially chapter 1, it is one of the most lofty theological treatises you'll ever find on the doctrine of election. Um, just, just so profound. Um, but before we get into chapter 1 here, I want you all to go down to verse 13. All right, why is Dr. Mike going down to verse 13? I want you to read perspicaciously the pronouns before verse 13. Do you all know what a pronoun is? Okay, all right. Whew. Okay, that was pretty loud, sorry. Um, the pronouns prior to verse 13 likely refer to the apostles. Um, in him, you also, that word also, highlight it, circle it. Also means to or in addition to, right? Also. So what comes before verse 13 is also applied to the people of Ephesus. But you need to read the pro pronouns correctly. That's not a political statement. All right, so let's go back up to verse 3. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, likely referring to apostles, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him. When? Before the foundations of the world. Ooh, see that word, that? Do you see that word, that, right there? Highlight it. Oftentimes in the biblical text, especially in New Testament, that could be substituted for the purpose of or as a result of before the foundation of the world so that for the purpose that we would be holy, set apart, and blameless. Not that you're set apart, but you're also pronounced blameless. The word here, choice, 
looks at God choosing from among humanity those who will be holy and blameless. It's a choice. It's looking at the act. It's a position. Here's the act. Here's the position. You are now holy, set apart, and you are spotless, able for service, to be with the living, true God. He's chosen you. But get this. Before the foundations of the world, why would Paul say that? All right, great question. Thank you. Uh, uh, unfortunately, look at verse 4. There are two words in my NASB. Um, it says, in love. Those two words go with verse 5. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. Predestination and, and choosing are two different Greek words. One's looking at the fact of this has happened. The other one, okay, you ready for this Greek word right here? Praorizo, P-R-O-O-R-I-Z-O, praorizo. So it's a compound word. And here in this context, it's looking at something that has happened in the past. Pra, before. It's, it's a preposition. P-R-O is a preposition before. When you put it to, with this verb here, is looking at an action that has happened in the past. And the predestination here is a very, uh, uh, it's, it's a very, un, uh, it's, it's, it's a word not used all that often in New Testament, but also in Classical Greek. Um, when it's used in Classical Greek, it's used in the manner of appointing. Appointing. And here we have a legal transaction going on that God has appointed us to what? To be what? Adopted. Yeah, that's right. Adopted. Um, oftentimes, especially in the ancient Near East, um, in ancient Babylon, Sumer, I've studied this for PhD, so it's, uh, when you're up late at night and you're reading all this stuff, it's, it's crazy. But here's what happens in legal text when somebody's adopting. You adopt them and you actually do say, today you are my son. Now don't take it too far when you see that concept in the scriptures, but there's a legal appointment that goes on here. God has appointed us to be adopted. But look further. We're not just adopted as nobodies. We have an inheritance, don't we? And in those legal texts in ancient Babylon, um, here's, here's what's interesting. This is before my child was born, Emily, who's 12. So about 13 years ago, um, I was studying this. And um, oftentimes you had mom and dad who couldn't have children. And this is in ancient Babylon, y'all. Babylon bad. Bad people. Well, in these, in these legal texts, they're like you and me. They couldn't have children. And so the question for them was, what do we do with our inheritance? And so they adopted children. Not, like un, not unlike today, but here in this text, 
we have an inheritance. I want to see a raise of hands. Um, I've got nine minutes left. I'm keeping time, y'all. Um, raise your hands and do this. Spread out your fingers. All right. See what's awesome about being a teacher? People do what you tell them. All right. There are five fingers on, on your hand, right? Not hands, but hand. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, what are we going to do with you? <laughs> um, there are five truths that I want you to highlight in your text. Starting verse 4. Chose. Verse 5, predestined. Verse 7, redemption. Verse 10, this is going to be a funny one, administration or stewardship. And then verse 11, inheritance. Inheritance. All of the plan of salvation that has happened in eternity past, the inheritance here is not only redemption, forgiveness of sins, but there's something else here. It's called administration. That speaks to my brain because I'm an administrator at Dallas Seminary. It's actually oikonia. It's a stewardship. We have a stewardship to give the gospel away, the mystery. And all of this was planned out by the everlasting Father, everlasting Son, everlasting Spirit, and eternity past. You know what this speaks of, y'all? What's orange and squawks like a parrot? A carrot. There you go, Dr. Toussaint. We love you. All right. Um, you know what this speaks of? Before we mucked everything up in our own lives, God chose you. Not purposeless. Not without inheritance. But with a stewardship. A stewardship. All right. Adoption, we have inheritance. Now, here comes another fun one. It's in Romans chapter 11. Or, sorry, Romans 8. And let's turn to, see, I can't see the screen. I got to walk way up here. I'm 47. Romans 8, 28, 30. All right, good. All right, we all know Romans 8, 28. We should. Six minutes left. Romans. <laughs> You guys are so awesome. Yeah, well, read it, read it, read it. <laughs> She's quoting. Can you quote 28 through 30? I'll, oh, okay. I, hey, I love it. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God. And we stop there. Uh, to those who are, what? Called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? Amen. Amen. All right, let's go back. This is just, oh, okay, guys. I'm about ready to jump out of my skin. I'm so excited. 
Nobody wants to see that. All right. <clears throat> so I love you. Um, okay, so when, when Cain sins and he doesn't control the sin inside of him, the animal inside of him, that's the imagery used. He doesn't rule well. Um, the sin rules him. But Seth and his prodigy, or, or his sons, they worship the Lord. Let's just kind of keep it just that general. When you are not in Christ, you image Satan. Well, how in the world do I do that? Give me some attributes or some things that you might do if you're imaging Satan. Lie, cheat, steal, unjust. I didn't hear dancing or chewing. Pride, yeah, that's right. And you know when somebody looks at that life, oh, that guy's bad. He's bad, bad, right? In the same way, in eternity past, God has predetermined, and sometimes proorizo also means a process, that we're in process of being conformed to the this, to this Son. And so when we're in the process of, we call that sanctification. So God knew in eternity past that we would know him, we would be redeemed, we would be adopted, we'd have an inheritance and a stewardship, but yet we're still going to image Satan. But we're on this journey together as a church, as a community, to image his son. All right. Now we have a place. Um, we don't have much time to look at it. But when we're thinking about the kingdom of God, I want you to think of at least three parts, all right? Land, sea, blessing. Now we have another three parts. It's throne, realm, and location. Throne, realm, location. Throne looks at the rule. Realm looks at the people or in this case will be angels, and the location. Well, if you have a throne and you have a place, um, even though God's eternal and he is um, without space, there is a locale to this, just like the Lord Jesus. Um, he is uh, God who came in the flesh. There's a locale. So I'm not going to press too much into that because I've got like three minutes left. Uh, but the realm here would be the angels. Let's turn to Job 38. Four through seven. It's worth our while. We have two minutes left. Job 38, four through seven. And some of us who have been around Stonebriar for many, many years are very accustomed with the book of Job. Um, in verse 38, thank you, you know what I'm talking about. We, you, we love it. Uh, verse 4, where were you, Job, friends, when I laid the foundation of the earth? Um, they weren't there. Uh, tell me, if you have understanding, who, measure, who sets its measurement since you know or stretched out the line? Uh, 38, 7, thank you. On what where it or on what were its bases sunk? 
Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? So it seems to me that since angels aren't eternal, and we don't have time to develop that, and angels were present at creation, that the eternal God at some point in eternity past created angels. And it was before earth. Because when the foundations of the earth were laid, the sons of God put their angels, um, shouted for joy. Um, they also are not eternal. Um, they are not divine. They are created. Colossians 1.15 tells us that Jesus has created everything. And they are ministers to serve. And so we move forward to the last slide. Um, to the fall of Satan. Uh, obviously, we don't have time to, de to develop Ezekiel 28, 12 through 9. But in eternity past, after the creation, because the sons of God, the angels, were singing, we have the fall of Satan. We know this because Satan is in Genesis chapter 3. So that, my friends, is eternity past. It's eternal. There's a person or there are persons, there's a plan, there's a place, and now we go and step into time, but we're not going to talk about time during our next time, ha ha ha, we're going to talk about eternity future. All right, so with that, I am, let's see here, am I one minute over? All right, not going to get hurt. Um, Y'all, God loves you. And at the tail end of our lives, wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, it's the same Lord that Abraham walked with, David. And it's going to be the same Lord your kids and grandkids walk with. Isn't that great? All right. Until next time, shalom, y'all. Thank you, Michael. That was uh, very inspiring. <laughs> Get your tickets for the movies. We only got one more week for the movie. And, and directories are over here if you didn't get them last week. Um, until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.